Hello, everybody. Um, we welcome you to our quarter one 2019 interims report for our company, Effel Schmidt, here out of Welby in Denmark. At first, the key highlights. We had a strong order intake. We have quite a solid order backlog, seasonal, low revenue in the first quarter. The profitability declined in the first quarter due to cement and the positive free cash flow. The market outlook for mining remains at a good level. The cement market outlook is unchanged. Guidance for 2019 is maintained based on the higher revenue, particularly in mining, what we will get, and improved profitability in cement. In this first quarter 2009 interims report and presentation, we now present our sustainability footprint and our way how we act and deal with sustainability. Sustainability is for more than 135 years an essential part of our DNA. Our productivity improvement and enhancement theme, what we have for quite a long time, actually tackles and includes a lot of sustainability issues. We have in the world 17 sustainability development goals. When we looked as Effel Schmidt into it, there are free water, climate, and responsible consumption and production, which are the areas where we as Effel Schmidt have the biggest impact towards our employees, suppliers, customers, and the society where we act in. And that is where we will focus on with a very special intensity. But if you would like to be an essential part in the sustainability, you have to measure on your own too, your own performance. And there are two KPIs, what we report on. One is the relative carbon footprint, what we lowered in measured in tons per um, DKK revenue, million DKK revenue. We lowered from 2018 with a 3.22 to a 2.89 in quarter one. Another one is Safety, safety is important for us. Safety is very important in mining and very important in cement. We can claim that we had the most successful safety quarter ever since we measure safety for the company with a 1.5 in TRI of R coming quite significant down from last year and are well below the target what we have for 2019 of 2.7. The other thing what we are yeah, proud and presenting in all the quarterly reviews is our impact and our innovation, digital innovation too, into the industries where we act. This time it's about composite mill liners. This expands our wear part offering. A composite mill liner which consists out of metal, rubber, polyurethane and ceramics enables our customers and us to have lighter and bigger pieces what we can build into sack and ball mills, which makes it more safer, which makes the capacity significant bigger, and with our special design and production out of Effel Schmidt, gives us a possibility to offer to our clients a higher grinding performance. One added gift on top of it is, if customers would like, We can add processors into these composite mill liners to so have online recording and influence to optimize at any point of time the grinding performance. Out of that, into the market outlook, which is overly unchanged. Let me start with cement. In cement, we still have selected opportunities and significant regional differences in the world where cement investments happen or not happen. 
There are only a few tenders for large orders out and the intensive pricing pressure and pricing competition in the market between the premium suppliers is ongoing. It doesn't increase, it doesn't decrease. It's exactly the same as it was before. There's a good level of mid-sized order opportunities in cement out in the market. Now to mining. Mining's demand for equipment and projects, especially for productivity improvement and a better sustainability footprint, is on a good level. The activities are more or less in all commodities. But for us, of course, copper and gold have a very special position and their activity levels are quite good. For both together, we have to say that the OPEX level is um, stable and good and the customers are looking into productivity-driven things through digitalization, innovation and sustainability. Out of that, into the figures. Here on that slide, you see the order intake, which was quite strong in the first quarter. On the left side, let me start with the mining part. We have on the figures a minus 10 order intake for mining year on year. And it comes out of the fact that we couldn't repeat a large order what we got at the beginning of 2018 at the beginning of 2019. We got a large order a few days and weeks after the quarter closed, but it is typical for that business, always lumpy, not in the quarter. So we had a minus 10. Important for us is, of course, in the overall development of that business, how are the base orders, orders below 200 million DKK, developing. And there we had a growth of 10%. Now to cement. Cement was growing quite significantly, 54%. And this proves, because it's based on two large orders, mainly because the base orders only increased 1%. But with the two large orders, we again proved our very strong market position in the premium segment. Out of that, on the right side, you see the development between order intake and revenue and actually some information about service too. It's easy to recognize that we have a good run on order intake and that our revenue recognition lags behind. And we would like on the next slide a special information to look a little bit into it. On the left side, you see the order intake versus revenue as 12 months rolling. The blue graph shows the revenue and the white one is the order intake. You see that our order intake is significant above and developing as we call it as a positive gap since the quarter three, quarter two, 2017 already. And that back is quite healthy and actually shows graphical our solid order backlog. But there's another information in it and the information is that in our business the revenue comes slower and kind of lagging after the order intake. And we see here four to six quarters is not something special for that kind of business where we are in. Another information is our guidance range, the 19 to 21 billion DKK. And you see that the revenue graph already in the 12 months rolling is on the low part of our guidance range. And we expect, of course, to be in the guidance for 2019. On the right side, you see order intake versus revenue on the service. But to have the real information, what happens in our service business, I go to the next slide. Here on the left side, you see order intake and revenue in the cement business. And you see that our 
revenue, especially since the beginning of 2017, is going down up to the quarter two 2018. And that is based on our management decision years back to de-risk our operation and maintenance business in cement. And that is what we did. And that brought us to that level, stable and quite good level for cement, but a lower level than we had it before in the cement part. On the right side, you see the revenue and the order intake for mining in the service part. And you see that our order intake is well above the revenue and that the situation with the revenue recognition has to get a little bit more explained. Why is the revenue not faster coming up after the order intake? It is related out of several items. If you get awarded with retrofits orders and longer-term maintenance orders, you have the order intake quite significant into a quarter. And until the revenue comes, it can take three, four quarters until, until it really drops in. Another part is the time lag. If we get big, larger orders, not only above the 200 million DKK, where we send and get the order intake for the first time spares, which get supplied then when we commission these bigger orders in the time when everything gets delivered. And there is, of course, a time lag too. That explains the um, difference between our good order intake run and from quarter to quarter and from time to time lower revenue versus that what maybe is expected. Out of that, we look into the revenue split for the quarter one 2019. We had a 58% of the revenue in mining with a 9.5% EBITDA margin and an EBITDA margin of 37 um, and a 42% revenue split out of cement. The 3.7 EBITDA margin is low for cement, but you have to look into the figures and the details of that business, and you already see that our gross margin significantly increased in the quarter one for the cement business versus the second half of 2018, which proves that our measurements, what we took in the mid of the year 18, the corrective actions definitely drop in. Then to the uh, business mix in the quarter one, we had a slightly lower service business and a significant higher cap capex business, which of course has an impact on the profitability when we look into the seasonal low revenue part. And now to my dear colleague Lars. Thank you. And now uh, we'll go through the numbers. I'll start by making a few uh, key points in the numbers. Uh, the first point is that we have a very strong backlog at the end of quarter one, and that strong backlog is the one that gives us a lot of confidence that we will uh, deliver on our full year guidance. So revenue will pick up as we move into the rest of the year. That backlog also gives us fairly good visibility into what kind of projects we executed for the rest of the years, and that also confirms that uh, we can uh, maintain our full year guidance. So there are some very important data points in our backlog uh, that confirms our full year guidance. The second point I'd like to make is that gross margin is down in the quarter. And uh, as Thomas mentioned, you could see that revenue from service was low in the first quarter and actually substantially lower than order intake. So that has a negative impact on the gross margin in the first quarter. The second point I'd like to make is that uh, in cement, we are executing projects with a lower margin than what we will be executed in the later part of the year. And that will also improve our margins as we move through the year. So 
all in all, there are these two big uh, explanations for, for the set of numbers you have here. And if I should just uh, make a small comment of uh, IFRS 16, uh, we implement that uh, without changing uh, the, the comparison figures uh, like many other companies do. And that, of course, uh, impacts our ratios. Uh, we've uh, shown it here on, on the chart where you can see our gross margin is slightly uh, up due to the uh, new accounting standards. Uh, our SGNA ratio comes down and our depreciation goes up a lot. So this is more just to show you what would the numbers have been without this accounting change. Are we, uh, are we happy with the 7.1%? Uh, no, it is lower than what we would uh, like to be at this point in time, but it is very much explained by the, the, the mix we've had in the first quarter uh, with low revenue from uh, service, with low revenue from, uh, re with revenue from lower uh, margin projects in cement. As we look through the years, these two things will help us uh, get into the guided range on the margin. So uh, not a lot of concern from our side on uh, the low margin in the first quarter. If you then look into uh, uh, the revenue, you can see that we are up in revenue in mining, and it's mainly capital that's going up. And in cement, we are uh, very much flat in, uh, in the quarter compared to last year. If you look into the gross margin in the two industries, <coughs> mining is slightly down, uh, can be entirely explained by mix, so more so, uh, less service than in the comparison figures last year. In cement, uh, we are comparing with the quarter last year that ha had the highest gross margin. Uh, and as you remember, we took actions uh, after the third quarter to mitigate the impact from the lower margin orders that we were executing. Uh, so... Uh, as we look through the year, we will see that we start to execute better projects and uh, the margins will come up, but the comparison figure is also demanding in cement and here we'll see improvements as we move through the years. On our SGNA costs, it is as per plan. Uh, we have a slight increase in the SGNA cost uh, and it's mainly related to digitalization and uh, here you can also see that we have an impact from IFRS uh, 16 on the SGNA ratio. One very important point to make on this SGNA ratio is, as we look out through the rest of the year, we will get higher revenue, and that higher revenue will come with a less in increase in SGNA cost, and that of course gives us a lot of uh, uh, operating leverage, and our SGNA ratio will be diluted as we go through the year, and that will in itself drive up our margins when the revenue comes up. <clears throat> Here you have the bridge of the EBITDA margin. Uh, so there is an impact from higher revenue, then there is an impact from, uh, from lower gross margin, and then uh, we spend more money in SGNA. Uh, so it is very much the increased SGNA and lower gross margin that explains uh, the lower margin. Working capital. Uh, we had a positive cash inflow from, uh, from working capital. If you look at the cash flow statement, on the balance sheet, it is stable, uh, so uh, a little bit up, but that's mainly the reason why there is a disconnect is that currency increases our networking capital. Uh, if you strip that out, then we had a, a reduction on working capital. As we look throughout the year, uh, we, have, we will bring our networking capital ratio below 10%. One of the key places where we will bring it down is on the inventory, where uh, as we move through the year and this increased backlog, will start to convert into revenue that uh, that will drive down the inventory plus a lot of focus on uh, on getting this number down so uh, no alarm bells here uh, it's a key focus area and uh, and we will work hard to get this down 
in the remainder of the year. <clears throat> As you may recall, we, we sold off our uh, bulk material handling business uh, towards the end of January. Uh, and here we'll just give you a little uh, update on what happened to that business in the first quarter. Uh, we had a cash outflow of 70 million uh, from provisions in the first quarter. Uh, when we uh, closed the deal, uh, we had to lay off uh, some uh, some people, and that was a cost of uh, 31 million. And then we settled uh, an legacy project, which was another cash out of 40 million. And that's, those were the the, exp uh, the movements in the first quarters. As we look out from here, uh, we expect over the rest of 19 and 20. Uh, to have a cash outflow of around 100 million, uh, and these are mainly related to uh, se uh, settling the provisions we still have on uh, on our balance sheet, uh, 247 million at the end of quarter one, uh, and then uh, to offset that we have a, a, wor a positive working capital balance of 153, uh, which will then be reduced towards zero when we are finished with these projects. So. That's the status on discontinued. No new risk discovers. Uh, the only movement in provisions is related to settling some of the, uh, the things we already knew when we uh, started the quarter. Coming into cash flow, so on the left-hand chart, you have the cash flow for the continuing activity. So that means uh, you take away uh, the numbers from the previous page. We had uh, a flat development on EBITDA. Uh, and, of course, as we move through the year, uh, we do expect to see an increase in, uh, in EBITDA compared to the previous year. Uh, the cash flow from operations was 306. It was helped by, uh, by a reduction in working capital. We used some provisions and, and paid our taxes, so that uh, uh, explains the movement in uh, the cash flow from operations. On the right-hand side, you have the cash flow for the entire group. Uh, so that's the, the numbers on the left-hand side plus the impact from the previous page of minus 70. Uh, so the cash flow from operations from group was 230. Uh, we spent a little bit more on, uh, on investments in the first quarter. Uh, a bit of it is uh, related to digitalization and uh, a substantial part is related to, uh, to increased in, uh, in, <clears throat> in R&D where we are capitalizing the same projects as we were capitalizing last year. All in all, we had a cash flow of 149 uh, for the first quarter. Uh, it's maybe worth to mention that the IFRS 16 has an impact on the free cash flow. Uh, when you implement that, you move uh, 21 million uh, that used to sit in the free cash flow. You move that to cash flow from financing activities. Uh, so there is a, a change in, uh, in the base uh, compared to the same period last year. Here you have the capital structure. We have a strong capital structure. Uh, we would have reduced our debt in the first quarter by around 200 million if we had not uh, implemented the accounting change. The accounting change uh, brings back 312 million to our balance sheet. Uh, so before I hand back to Thomas, um, just to summarize, uh, we have a strong backlog. Uh, we have done initiatives to get the, the margin up in cement, uh, and we will start to execute projects with better margins. Uh, so the increase in revenue combined with the operating leverage uh, makes us very confident that we can deliver on our full-year guidance. So with that, back to you, Thomas. Thanks, Lars. So then uh, next is about the management agenda, as you see on the left side. There, with that, what we have as a revenue recognition in front of us, uh, the, the arrows on networking capital and EBITDA, of course, will have a... a 
quite a significant improvement. But overall, when we look into the safety, when we look into the dive foot, we have areas where we improved a lot or are slightly below that what we had um, beginning of last year. Very important is to talk about the strategic focus areas versus that what we see in the market and market move. We stick with our long-term strategic focus to intensify our position as a productivity provider number one. And that is clearly focused on customers with innovation and digitalization. Sustainability got a higher importance based on recent events in the mining industry especially, as well as the standardization where we now go into the next step of the phase. It's the modularization approach. Short term, it is our task and we promise to the market and we will fulfill that, that more than 10% of our business in the aftermarket will be out of wear parts. We are in a very good way and we will fulfill that target. We showed you the composite mill liners and other products in the last few years, what we do here. We grow that business intensively. We grow our product business throughout. We have a good order intake and a good order backlog going in that area. And our new structure, what we have in the company, really helps to be closer to the customer and having what we call higher hit rates on the customer and more interaction. Out of that into the guidance, which is unchanged, with a comfortable and solid and good order backlog and the revenue recognition, what we see, of course, the 19 to 21 guidance stays, as well as the related EBITDA guidance from 9 to 10%. And this higher revenue, particular out of mining and the improved profitability of cement is underscoring that uh, way of doing for 2019. To summarize, we had a strong order intake. We see ongoing positive trend in mining and the cement market unchanged. We have a lower profitability due to cement, a positive cash flow, and we maintain the guidance for 2019. With that, we can go into the Q&A. Ladies and gentlemen, if you do have a question for the speakers, please press 01 on your telephone keypad and you'll enter a queue. After you are announced, please ask your question. The first question is from Magnus Kruber from UBS. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Thank you for UBS. Uh, first, in regards to the mix effect in cement, do you expect the mix to improve already in, in Q2? Uh, <clears throat> yes, so uh, I think the question was related to whether we expect the mix to improve already in Q2. Um, we had a very low uh, revenue from service in the first quarter, uh, so that was below run rate and below the order intake. Uh, so we are expecting the, the revenue from service to go up in the second quarter. So already in the second quarter, we expect a mix uh, or at least a positive improvement from more revenue uh, from service, uh, and that should underpin our, our EBITDA margin in cement. Is the two mixed effects that we are seeing in the quarter, both some lower margin projects that are executed as well as the mix between uh, uh, equipment and service? Yeah, so I think that the, the main improvement will come from, uh, in the second quarter, will come from, uh, from more revenue from service, but uh, then we will finalize some of the projects that, that has the low margin and we will start to execute uh, the projects or we'll start to get revenue from, uh, from the projects with better margin. So you have... Uh, both effects. I would say the effect from uh, the switch in, in projects comes a little bit later on in the year where we, uh, we start to get more revenue from a different set of uh, projects. Perfect. That's great. 
uh, secondly, on mining orders, and, and clearly you are coming off a very high base uh, last year. Uh, but if we focus on the underlying, would you say that the 10% underlying growth you saw in Q1 is, is fairly reflecting the, the market activity we see at the moment? Yes, um, it reflects market activities, but we compare underlying already with a very, very strong quarter one, 2018. When we look into which kind of orders we were awarded with, more or less all are related with productivity improvement. There is a big, big demand out in the, in the mining customer field where they have a high level of free cash flow, not to forget that. So it's quite a healthy customer group to help them to tackle that what they have as sustainability goals as well as to enable them to be more agile on commodity price changes, which means no matter where the commodity prices go, that they can play or reduce their cost base relatively quick. And we are experts in that. Perfect. And uh, finally, another one on, on, on mining. Uh, did you have any unannounced sizable orders in Q2 last year that we should be mindful of? Yes, if you could help us a bit with the comparables there into, into, into Q2. Oh, yeah, now you got me. Um, we have to look. No, I don't think so. No. Okay, perfect. And yes, finally, as far as on, on the networking capital, did you say you expect to reach below 10% by year end, or did I get that wrong? Yes. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks. <clears throat> Thank you. Next question is from Christian Johansson from Danske Bank. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Thank you. So last year we, we talked about this uh, delay in conversion from backlog to, to revenue, and now you only book uh, 4% growth on, on the top line here in Q1. Is, is there an element of, of that as well in the quarter? And uh, on the same line, if, if you look uh, out in, in the, the coming quarters in terms of your guidance as well, what's the risk of this happening again? At first, it's not a risk. The, um, you have to see that we always have in that kind of business a lower start of the year if it comes to revenue. That's always the case because the fourth quarter is normally quite strong. The second half is actually significantly stronger than the first half. Where does it come from? There is, of course, an element that the customers have a budget for a project and they would like to finalize it in a year, which then means for the following order, there is a little bit lower or there is a lower activity regarding the revenue part. So that the second quarter will be better, the third quarter will be better, and then the fourth, um, most likely then with, uh, again, a very strong uh, quarter. But in our business, you see it, that the second half normally is quite stronger in the revenue than in the first half. And just to uh, <clears throat> your question around whether uh, that the delay we saw in the third quarter last year will impact this year, uh, when we made the guidance, uh, you could see that a lower percentage of our backlog converts into revenue this year than if you take the same number from the previous year. So we already took this, uh, this e effect into the guidance. So, uh, so the guidance is based on this uh, we talked about at the end of last year. Then my second question on, on mining services. Now you, you just indicated that on cement services, we should expect, or we should expect a larger part of, of the mix being cement services. How does that look for, for, for mining? Again, on slide eight, uh, the, the service revenue graph shows a declining trend. So, so what should we expect for uh, mining services in, in the coming quarters? 
I mean, if you uh, if you compare the the order intake from service uh, in both industries, you can actually see revenue is uh, running somewhat below. Uh, and as we move into the year, uh, we do see that this uh, this gap will be closed. So uh, so revenue from service will come up in in both industries. And will that happen in Q2 as well for uh, for mine? Uh, we do expect that the revenue from service will come up in both industries in the second quarter. Uh, and then my last question in terms of your guidance uh, on networking capital to sales uh, peak below 10 towards the end of the year, how is the path uh, towards that uh, on a quarterly basis going to look? Is it going to be sort of steady quarterly improvement or do you expect the majority of the improvement to, towards the end of the year? Or the, or the, the timing of that improvement is uh, is quite difficult to say because it, of course, relates to uh, exactly when does the milestones uh, kick in. The one thing that uh, is really, what you can say, putting an upwards pressure on our working capital right now is uh, the fact that we're not converting enough into revenue uh, to really get uh, the working capital down. As we start to get more momentum behind our service business, we will start to uh, uh, to reduce the inventory that has been built to satisfy these uh, these service orders. So, uh, so it will come uh, throughout the year, uh, whether I, and whether it comes in the the second, third, or fourth quarter is very difficult to predict. But it will come in line with uh, getting momentum behind uh, the revenue from service. We can actually make a, a kind of a little math on it. Um, if we take the midpoint of the revenue guidance, then we are on 20 billion DKK. Our networking capital is 2.2 at the moment. And then you can see that it's a 200-ish million DKK reduction over the year if I only take the midpoint of the guidance in, in revenue. Okay, clear. That was uh, all for me. Thank you. Thank you. Next. Next question is from Andrew Wilson from J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi, good afternoon, Um I just have uh, hopefully three kind of quick ones. Um, Thomas, there's obviously a lot of confidence in terms of the revenue phasing as you go through the balance of the year um, and kind of the expectation, as usual, that we'll see a stronger Q3 and Q4 particularly. To the degree that you're kind of prepared to comment on this, would we expect the margin trajectory to be similarly weighted to the Q3 and the Q4, given that clearly that higher volume should be good for the absorption? Um, yes, that is the, as more revenue, as higher the profitability is. We showed in several quarter four where we got quite high revenue in, uh, in these days, that we have a fantastic good leverage, especially out of the mining business. So with a higher revenue in the second quarter and uh, seasonally um, listed in the fourth quarter especially, there we then generate, of course, the highest EBITDA profitability. Because in our business with the big, uh, bigger part of bigger project business in it, the cross-margin development is one thing, the product mix is another, but the revenue versus cost, and we are very good in keeping cost uh, under control and in line and managed, that, of course, delivers then on the bottom line quite a significant improvement. And kind of, I guess, following on from that and specifically in cement, I think um, at the end of last year, you, you introduced various measures within cement to try and, uh, I guess, take actions on the cost base in, in cement to some degree. Um, will that similarly be a support towards the end of the year or, or is all of that cost saving already kind of in place as we talk now? That, that effect, uh, <clears throat> so that was very much a headcount exercise uh, where we took uh, we took people out. They are all out of uh, 
they have already uh, left the, the business, so the impact is fully in. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, as, as you can see, uh, the gross margin is already higher than what it was towards the end of the year. And as we start to improve uh, the project mix, so executing better projects uh, throughout the year, that will help us uh, improve the margin in cement. Yeah, we should not forget that we took... Uh, the people out and uh, reduce the amount of uh, available labor to quote especially big projects in a time where we were awarded with big projects. Why did we do that in such a time? The reason was that we are not forced to take low margin orders with high risk simply to walk out and you would be surprised of how many orders we walk out nowadays. And maybe if I can just follow up on that point. The you mentioned a couple of times that the, you would expect the margins on the projects coming through the income statement to be better for the balance of the year. Is that any comment at all on the market, or is that purely purely the coincidence of the, the contract or the projects you'll be delivering just happen to be higher margin? Is that any sort of comment at all on the market, or is it just a coincidence? All improvement in the profitability in cement is related to own internal F.L. Schmidt activities. There is absolutely nil support whatsoever in the market. When you look into the amount of announced orders, you see that we as Effel Schmidt are yeah, quite, quite strong to make it diplomatic in that market. That's a fact. Why is that the case? We have a very competitive offering. We have a very good technology. Our productivity improvement in salmon really gets traction there. But at the same time, the amount of uh, larger orders in the world market is very, very low for premium offerings. That, that gives this mix in the market with a high pricing pressure. What is not deteriorating, not improving, it stays as it is now for minimum two years. That's very clear. And if I can just ask one final one, just... Switching back onto the mining side, um, you touched on it just towards the end, the development of the wear parts business, which sounds like it's going very well. Can you, you just talk about where you are versus your expectations on that? And also, if you've basically seen anything in the market which has come as a surprise as you've been building that market out or that product out, I should say. We have, we promised the market that we will have more than 10% of the aftermarket out of wear parts at the end of 2019. We will keep that promise. We will fulfill that. Uh, what do we see in that market? We see in the market that customers, um, in that what they buy, it is actually not that they buy bits and pieces. They buy performance, which makes it for OEM suppliers, for original branded international suppliers, actually not easier, but more likely to get orders. It is not purely about the price. It is about performance versus price. And that, of course, is for premium suppliers quite a good development. That's great. Thank you very much. Andrew. Next question is from Klaus Elmer from Nordea. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Thank you. Yeah, also a few questions from my side. But some of you mentioned uh, early on about the, the order intake within mining. As I understood, you said the underlying order intake would be around a 10% growth for 2019. Was that correctly understood? Yes, it's correctly understood. And uh, um, when you look into uh, the figures, we can clearly say that we had an order intake 
of 3 billion in the quarter, 3 billion, I have to be correct as an engineer, 3.000 or 08 billion DKK. Last year, we had a 2.739 in the base orders. So we have a growth of 10% on the base orders. What makes the mining order intake look 10% lower than last year is the non-repeat of a very large order what we were awarded at the beginning of last year. Yeah, that, that I know. It was more about the full year 2019. Did you mention that we should expect a underlying oil intake growth for mining in 2019 over 2018 of 10%. Yeah, uh, in 2019 versus 2018 for the underlying, we expect a growth and we expect a single-digit growth throughout the year and more in the higher range of the single-digit growth. So that's actually slightly more positive than, than what you have mentioned uh, in past calls, right? The no. I would not say so. We were over it with my conservative approach and uh, communication. Um, the outlook for mining is good. It is not uh, booming and super great, but it's definitely not stable and flattish. It is a good outlook. The demand for productivity improvement investments is good. Our customers are quite cash rich and we see a big, big appetite to get their operations more agile versus a global uncertainty, global economy uncertainty, which means to enable them to get their cost base quicker down when the commodity prices and maybe capacities would go down. And that is where we are strong in. Okay, thank you. Then just my, my, my next question. Uh, the working capital target of uh, below 10% in 2019, does that include any uh, uh, supply chain financing effect or is it purely, you know, optimization of the current uh, business? Uh, so if I just look at the supply chain uh, financing, that is expected to uh, to be a sort of like a constant percentage of our payables. So uh, if our payables goes up, then our supply chain financing uh, activities will go up. Um, and if I look at the first quarter alone, uh, we had a uh, a two million change in our supply chain finance uh, uh, program, so it is really a small impact uh, in a, in a quarter like this. Now that it's up and running, uh, so it uh, it will have a, a, an impact uh, in the full year numbers because we expect to have more activity towards uh, towards the year end. Yeah, but not as percentage of revenue. Sorry, once again. Which is also how we calculate. It's not as percentage of revenue, which is also how we calculate the working capital. Yeah, so not, no, it's a, it's a percentage of the payable. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, thanks. Next question is from Robert Davies from Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Yes, uh, thanks for taking my questions. Um, uh, just a couple. One was just on um, the overall, I guess, customer behavior within mining. Um, you've obviously given us a mixed picture of what's going on on, on the service side with the need to sort of catch up. And, and some, some of your comments seem marginally more kind of conservative than, than maybe some of the other mining names we've, we've, uh, we've heard from from the last uh, couple of weeks. If you could just um, flesh out just what you're seeing in terms of replacement versus expansion um, capex at the moment. Where, where are customers that you are talking to spending their money when, when they call you up? What, what is the uh, main focus on, on their uh, on their expenditures at the moment? Uh, and then the second one was just really around the cement business. 
And just if you could kind of contextualize, I guess, some of the differences in profitability between those larger projects and some of the more base um, business that you see, just to give us um, a, a sense of the variability you can get in profitability from a kind of large versus a, a kind of base or a, or a small project, that, that would be very helpful. Thank you. Um, at first, if it comes to mining, um, I, we don't think that we are different in the message uh, to the market because we reflect that what the customers tell us and what the customers demand. It's not our own idea. It's actually we are nothing else like a loudspeaker uh, of all our mining customers towards you guys uh, when we talk about these business outlooks and trends. Um, when you look into uh, the, the OPEX spend in mining, the OPEX spend in mining is more or less completely related with productivity improvement. The discussion what we have with customers is not to supply 500 bits and pieces or a weight or uh, a one-hour service. The discussion with customers is to make a kind of a due diligence and to look into how can we help the customer to earn more money, and that is productivity improvement. And that contains now more and more uh, sustainability issues too. To be honest, education of maintenance people and operators at the mine site or taking over of more services on the mine site from the customer directly into us. So from that point of view, the, um, the behavior in the mining industry in the last few years actually didn't change. What changed is the bigger appetite of the mining customers in the last one, one and a half years to make their companies, their operations more agile versus a volatile global economy. And that is where we earn money on. And that trend looks good. To the margins. Uh, <clears throat> so there are uh, the two things you should uh, think about when you think about our margins in, uh, in, the cement, uh, in the cement business. There is the margin we get from our service business. Uh, and uh, we'll not give you the numbers, but I'll just give you a hint on where you can, you can find them. In the old customer service division that we, we gave you the, the margins for this business, and the cement aftermarket is slightly below the average of customer service divisions back then. And that margin is actually fairly stable in our business. So customer service revenue comes with a fairly sta stable high margin. Then when we go to the capital part, uh, this is really where you have uh, some volatility in between the projects. Um, we have some, uh, some projects where we actually get okay margins where we have uh, a technology that is significantly better than competition uh, and where the customers are focused on, on getting a premium offer. Um, there we can really do our value-based selling and that gives us a better margin. Uh, we also have uh, some pr uh, projects that are being executed with low margin because they have been under pressure. And as Thomas mentioned, one of the reasons why we took uh, uh, reduced our engineering base uh, towards the end of last year was that we wanted to deselect the projects with the lowest margin. Uh, and that is really what will uh, help us underpin the margin in the capital part of, uh, uh, of cement. Uh, we're not giving you uh, the numbers because um, uh, we're, not, we're not giving all these uh, these details. But I would say the underlying improvements comes from internal measures as well as from deselecting the really low margin projects. That's great. Maybe just one follow-up. Just 
around um, the sort of, I guess, the thought process of the miners at the moment. You mentioned sort of productivity and, and the need to sort of improve the cash of, of, of the miners themselves. How does that sort of fit in with your um, digital offering? I mean, how receptive are customers to uh, the digital, digitalization theme in general? Is that something that you have to sort of push and explain to the customers? Are they, are they relatively receptive as long as they sort of deliver on results? How, how does that fit in? I know you've got a few... Um, I guess, developing technology as well, things like rapid oxidative leaching or dry stack tailings that have kind of come along, which is sort of separate to digital. Maybe just one comment on digital and one on just some of your um, some of your other kind of um, technology developments, how, how they're progressing. That would be great. Thanks. We are coming out of the longest mining recession measured since 1904. In 2017 for us, or the industry maybe end of 2017, beginning of 2018. We have a significant higher visibility on sustainability. And yes, we have to say push. Uh, tailing stem broken in Brazil gives another element into it. So there's a lot what happens towards our mining com- uh, customers to improve their operations and their setups. Only by improving mechanical offerings is not enough to fulfill that what is actually demanded out of the society. So digital is an essential part of it. Our customers are more than 30 years in that in mining industry. And I never saw the mining industry so open for innovation and new developments as we have it uh, nowadays, based on that what I just said. So digital is an essential part of it. New innovations is an essential part of it. It's not only the rapid oxidative leaching. It's the tri-stack tailings. It's our eco-tails. It's the way how we can help customers to reduce safety pressure, sustainability pressure, and so on. There is a lot more than only going in and to refurbish a sack mill. And that makes us... Because this is really the the playground for the premium suppliers in the world. And that makes us confident in the outlook for the mining industry. But of course, we are not blind and our customers are not blind. As I said, we are loudspeaker of them in that the, the global economy and how that develops, where the mining industry supplies into it is very important too. But when you look into the industry mining, there is a high cash available. There is a big demand for innovation. There's an openness for digitalization. That gives that good outlook for the mining industry. But I have to say, when we talk about good, we are not talking here each quarter 100% growth or a huge boom. It is simply better than before. And where the industry goes is actually in fairly fast steps to have a better setup in, in that what they operate. And we earn money on that. That's great. Thank you. The next question is from Michael Peterson from SCB. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Hi, thank you for taking my question. Uh, I have a question to Lars. You mentioned earlier you had done initiatives in cement to bring uh, up the profitability. Uh, are those the same as you mentioned in, in Q4 and like in, in terms of reducing the headcount uh, head count, or have you done additional uh, measures here in the first quarter to improve the profitability further than you just what you just mentioned uh, in Q4? No, so uh, no, no further actions have been uh, been uh, been. Uh implemented uh, so the run rate effect from what we had uh, announced after q3 last year are in and uh, and what will really drive the needle in the rest of the year is the change in projects so the projects we execute now have lower margins than what we'll execute later on in the year we have not planned any new activities uh, uh, since uh, the announcement after the quarter three all right thank you thank you 
Next question is from Klaus Kaley from Nucleic Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Yes, hello. Um, a couple of questions. Um, first of all, if we look at the uh, discontinued operations uh, on slide 16, um, just to be sure, uh, what you're saying is that you have had a negative cash flow of 72 million in Q1, and you expect around 100 million negatives for 19 and 20. So that means that the reminder of, yeah, for the coming two years, you more or less expect a, a negative free cash flow of just 30 million in this division. Sorry, then, uh, then, I didn't, didn't, then I didn't say it clearly. Uh, we had 70 million in the first quarter, and we expect a further 100 million as we finalize uh, these projects. Uh, and that, that number comes from the 247 million of provisions less the working capital balance of, uh, of 153. Uh, so the difference between these two is the 100 million that we expect to pay out over, over the, the remainder of 19 and 20. Okay, so an additional 100 million. Yes. Okay, excellent. Um, right. And then, um, secondly, um, you mentioned a couple of times that service revenues were low here in Q1. Um, just out of curiosity, why is that? There is, of course, in that business where we are, where service activity on one side is that what we get as direct service orders and in a big package what we get with larger and equipment orders, there is a lumpiness in it. You have quarters with a lot of work, then the service comes up, and quarters with a little bit less work. And we had a slow start in the year. Yes, it's seasonal, but without going too much in, uh, in the details, I have to say in some areas it's weather conditions, to be honest, and some other areas is related with vacations, and in some other areas it's related with um, strikes and uh, uh, people unrest on mining operations that all plays in. And then you can have this fluctuation from one quarter to another, how much revenue recognition you can realize. That is nothing special, to be honest, but it comes out, of course, more negative when you at the same time have a quite a big share out of the cement business, which is lower in profitability than mining based on the technology setup, as well as having then some uh, larger uh, project orders out of cement with a lower margin in the revenue recognition. Okay, okay, got it. And then my final question, um, TriStack tailing uh, technology. Uh, you, you mentioned in the report that you are seeing an um, increased numbers of uh, inquiries, but could you elaborate a bit on, on, on that? Is it uh, one inquiry compared to zero last year, or is it 10 compared to one, or it's just in order, in order to get a feeling for how interested the clients are in this technology now? It is actually, um, what is the background or what is the technology about? The technology is about to deal with tailings instead of pumping it into a tailings pond with a tailings dam and to recover water. That is what TriStack tailings is about. And you need several areas of expertise. And we are the only supplier having all areas of expertise in the house. No matter if it's the material handling, if it's the thickening, if it's the filtration, if it's the pumps, the cyclones, the project, we have it. That makes us as a very good choice for dry stack tailing. The amount of inquiries, the feasibility studies and so on is very, very high. We know that. And the trigger point was, as sad as the news was and the activity, of course, the second time a tailing stamp broken in Brazil. 
this time with quite a lot of killed people. And there are in all countries, or more or less all countries, questions on the mining industry. How is it with the tailing stamps? And one thing is to stabilize these stamps. The other part is how to avoid to raise them or to have tailing stamps at all. And we have, with a mining customer, actually innovated uh, things like EcoTails, where we can offer sophisticated solution customer by customer to avoid tailing stamps at all as well as to reduce the size of tailing, stem, tailing stems, as well as to recover quite a lot of water. And that all with the sustainability activity has a very high interest in the market at the moment. And that will go on. We see that increasing. We don't see that decreasing. Then I guess the question will be then, when does it come into order intake and into revenue no matter that the mining industry really opened up and getting more innovative and so on, it takes, based on the risk, what you have in the business and the involvement of government and so on for approvals, it always takes several years until things really drop in in a big scale. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Next question is from Martin Kruger from UBS. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Uh, yes, yes, two follow-ups and clarifications. Just on, on the backlog margins instrument, and I know we will see an improving margin mix from the project deliveries through the rest of the year, but if you look at the overall project backlog, would you say that we are past the worst point in terms of project margin mix now, or could it sort of deteriorate again? I mean, these, these move from quarter to quarter, and, and, uh, and we see that the, the projects we have in the backlog are stronger than what we had a year ago. So, uh, so we have executed some of the projects with the lower margin. So what we can see in the backlog is that it's improving, uh, but it's not, a, it's not a dramatic improvement. And a lot of the projects we execute, we execute them over a long period of time. So the change will not come in, in one quarter. We see a gradual shift towards uh, better margin projects over the year. Perfect. Thanks a lot. And just the final one on the headcount exercise, as you said, uh, did you get the full run rate exercise, uh, full, full run rate impact already from 1st of Jan? Yes. Yes, perfect. Thanks. And next question is from Julia Kohendorfer from Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi, this is Julia from Goldman. I just wanted to know real quickly, you mentioned that you had a rather slower start to the year. Um, could you give us some details on how this developed throughout the months in the first quarter and maybe even how the second quarter started with April? Have we there already seen some increased, um, some increased activity in service? The, uh, we have seasonal a slow start in the year. That is part of the nature of our business. It was a little bit too slow from our point of view versus the order backlog what we have. We have the highest order backlog since 2013 with this more than 17 billion, which, which is quite big. So the, there is quite a lot of confidence. There's really comfortable confidence regarding the, the yearly guidance in the revenue as well as in uh, the EBITDA. The, when we come, when we look into the months, um, I can give you, by geography, more information. But if you take Australia, where you have a big vacation season um, around Christmas, which goes very much into the January. Of course, January is a low month, but then March is a little bit better. 
In other areas, you have some other religious days or in China, the Chinese New Year Day, that all has a significant impact. We see that immediately in the figures. But from a global point of view, it is normal in our business that we have in the third month of a quarter more activities. And that is related that our customers are just on quarterly results too. And they would like to get things out of the door and done before quarter end two. The, um, which uh, is for us as a supplier always di not difficult, but challenging to manage from time to time, especially if it comes to a December. Then to the quarters throughout the year, we know, and that is part of our business too, that the second half of the year is stronger in revenue recognition than the first half of the year. But to say that each quarter is better than the quarter before is a little bit um, yeah, too, too general. Because you can have, when the milestones slip over or slip into a quarter, then you can have extremely better revenue or extremely lower revenue than you normally would have based on two or three days slippage. I have a good example for that actually out of the order intake and service. We were awarded maintenance, larger maintenance orders at the end, the very, very end of March in 2018, which delivered us a fantastic good order intake growth for service in the first quarter 2018, where we said this was extraordinary high. So that can happen. And we are brutal on if there is the March end, then March end, and that's it, and nothing goes into the figures any longer. We are very automated and very strict and disciplined in that. Okay, great. Understood. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that was our final question for today. So I'll hand the call back to the speakers for any closing comments. Thanks a lot for all the questions. Thank a lot for the contribution. And see you soon. Safe trip and living wherever you are. Goodbye.